Hello, I'm Robert Bateman, and this is the Privacy Corner, where I talk you through my top three picks for privacy stories each week. Thank you, as always, to Privado AI for sponsoring these videos. Now, this week, uh, if your data is compromised in a data breach, but nothing actually happens to you, is the fear of the possibility of something bad happening enough to sue. The CJEU has ruled on this issue, so we'll take a look at their judgment. Now, the EU's AI Act has not passed, contrary to some reporting on the matter, but it's nearly there. So we're going to take a look at what we know and what we don't know about this extremely important new law. And Adobe, Adobe, uh, I'm going to have to pick one. Uh, Adobe is in court over uh, allegedly tracking without consent. Let's have a look at this case. Is it any good? Who's paying for it? And will they win? Um, now, before I go on, Provado AI is announcing its Bridge Summit, which is a day of talks and panels from some leading figures in privacy and privacy engineering. The idea is to bridge the gap between the law and the engineering side of privacy. And it's running on the 31st of January next year to coincide with Data Protection or Data Privacy Day. Uh, they'll be looking at topics like building technical privacy programs, using privacy as a brand differentiator, and responsible AI governance. So some really great people will be attending this and speaking at it, including, I think, myself. So I hope to see you there. You can register for free. Details are in the newsletter, which I will link to down below. So the AI Act, very important EU regulation, first introduced in April 2021, uh, was discussed for a long time before that. Then in 2022, ChatGPT came along and all the others, the boom in generative AI provided a bit of impetus for EU lawmakers to get on with it, uh, but also some new challenges that weren't really fully considered in the first iteration of the law. So what we have now is a deal between the Parliament and the Council. What is a deal? Well, the, this particular law and many others went through a process known as Trilog in the EU. Uh, many of you will be familiar with the Trilog process, but here is a super, super simplified version of how this works. So there's three EU institutions involved, the Commission, the Parliament and the Council of the EU, not the other council or the other council or the other council. This is the Council of the European Union. So the Commission puts forward a proposal of a law. The Parliament debates it. They propose amendments. The Council adopts its preferred version. The Parliament adopts its preferred version. Then those two have a negotiating mandate each. They debate and squabble and argue about it, sometimes, as in the case of the e-privacy regulation, for many years. And then they reach a compromise between the two mandates and they have a provisional agreement. There can be further trilogues, further uh, readings, but right now we have a provisional agreement on the AI Act. The final text is not yet done. That will be adopted by the Parliament and the Council probably early next year. But we're at the penultimate step here. So it is happening. The AI Act will happen. Now, 
We don't have the final text, as mentioned, so be a little bit cautious about people's assumptions about what's in it. We do know the structure of the law, we know how it works. It imposes uh, safeguards on general purpose AI systems, so that's your chat GPTs, your co-pilots, your uh, bard, uh, uh, grunk, or whatever the Elon Musk thing is called. Uh, we've got limits on how law enforcement agencies use facial recognition. We've got social scoring ban, so this kind of policy often associated with China. And we've got a ban on the use of AI to manipulate or exploit people's vulnerabilities. New rights to lodge complaints and get explanations of AI. And of course, fines, 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 up to 35 million euros or 7% of global turnover in the most serious cases. We know a bit more thanks to Luca Bertuzzi, who is a very hard-working reporter from Euractiv, doing a fantastic job of following the negotiations. Uh, foundation models, so that's like your GPT, for example, the, the, the underlying model behind something like ChatGPT, will need to publish detailed summaries of their training data. And those models trained with a computing power above 10 to 25 floating point operations will be categorized as systemic and have tighter regulation applied. There is an exemption for free and open source models, providing that certain transparency conditions are met. And the Parliament was hoping to see a lot more banning. They had a long list of things they wanted to be banned that they ended up compromising a bit on, on, on some of those. So there will be some use of facial recognition by law enforcement agencies allowed. Um, but I think the general consensus among many commentators is that at least we have something. So uh, there is a sense of urgency for those who believe AI should be regulated. I've always been in the, well, we've got the GDPR camp, but there's a lot the GDPR doesn't cover, of course. So we're thinking 2026, probably, for this law to actually start making, uh, being enforceable, possibly. Uh, so you can start preparing on the basis of what we know. Look at whether you're developing, using, distributing, what level of risk your AI might come in under. But don't go crazy because it's not done yet. So the Court of Justice of the European Union, another data protection judgment this week. We have been spoiled this year with CJEU judgments on the GDPR. Uh, so the background here is the Bulgarian uh, tax office, I think it's a revenue service of some kind attached to the Treasury, had a data breach. And about six million people were affected. Some of the data ended up on the, on the public internet and some people started to sue. But their data had not knowingly been accessed by any... Well, it had not been misused, as far as we know. No identity theft uh, and no financial damage. So they said, well, we're very worried that maybe it will be misused because it's out there now, and that causes us some distress. So the court dealt with a number of issues around cybersecurity and their interplay with data protection and liability under the GDPR. So I've got some super simplified, again, <laughs> versions of some of the questions and answers dealt with by the court. For example, 
if an organization has a data breach, did it inevitably violate the GDPR's rules on data security by failing to take appropriate technical and organizational security measures under Article 32? No, not necessarily. The GDPR applies a risk-based approach in this area. And you could meet everything you're supposed to do in Article 32 at a reasonable level for your organization and the context and still have a data breach. And you might not have violated the GDPR. You know, bad things can always happen. We can't exclude that possibility. But where does the burden of proof lie? Do you have to be able to prove that your security measures were appropriate? Or is it up to the complainant or the court to prove that they were not appropriate? The burden of proof falls on the controller, the principle of accountability. Uh, you have to be able to show that your security measures were appropriate and explain why. If you can't show that, you've probably violated the GDPR. Now, does a data breach automatically give rise to damages for data subjects, even if there's no further misuse of the personal information or actual losses? No, not automatically. However, it can lead to non-material damages, even if there's no identity theft or misuse of the data, because people might be distressed about the notion that their data will be misused, in which case they have a claim for non-material damages under the GDPR. So lesson here is, if you have a data breach, you might face action in court, even if nothing kind of materially bad happens afterwards. However, if you weren't responsible for the breach, if you can show that it wasn't your fault in any way, then you're not liable. So document all your stuff, uh, your measures, your reasoning, your decisions, your, uh, your advice. Make sure you're writing it all down because you might have to show it one day in court. Finally, Adobe is uh, being sued by a Dutch foundation, a non-profit, these cases are quite popular in the Netherlands because of the way uh, they've implemented the GDPR. Uh, NGOs can bring suits on behalf of data subjects, even if no data subject uh, represents the, the class, as it were. So this is about Adobe's Audience Manager product, which they say lets you manage the translation of visitor data into audience segmentation. But the, uh, the organization behind this lawsuit, SDBN, says that Adobe collects all kinds of data from internet users via audience manager, even if they've not given permission for this at all. And they use the captured data to create a detailed personal profile and then sells the profiles to commercial parties for a lot of money. This is a translation of the, uh, of the uh, SDBN's website. So... The GDPR has not exactly been a goldmine for legal claims. We don't, I don't think there's been a successful class action where a, a group of data subjects has got money in court uh, under the GDPR. There have been uh, settlements, I think, but people keep trying. And of course, the money has to come from somewhere. So there's always a litigation funder in these cases, someone who invests in the suit and the, they have to be transparent about this. So the litigation funders in this case will get between 15 and 20% of the damages 
or a maximum of between two and five times their investment. So if it wins, this is a great investment for the funders. If it loses, of course, they lose all their money. This organization has brought claims against X and Amazon as well as Adobe. I think the tricky bit might be that Adobe appears not to be a controller for this data. They certainly say they are processors. Uh, so we'll see. We haven't seen the arguments yet, uh, but we'll see how this one pans out. Uh, apparently it will be 2027 at the earliest before we find out who wins. So that's it from me this week. Please do check out the Bridge Summit uh, 31st of January next year, or January 31st, as they say, across the pond. And uh, I hope to see you there, and I hope to see you next week.